Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Stream. Go to read this. Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. We're just going to call it and say that this podcast was done correctly the first time, and no one will ever know otherwise except those who watched live at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. We have a lot to talk about today because, of course, my favorite thing to rant about ever is back in the news cycle. It's back. And once again, it is going to be a topic in which, look at that, everyone is all, is all in favor of it. And I'm going to have to tell you once again that the thing you're in favor is being done wrong. And then you can watch as I was proven right again. We'll get to the right to repair stuff in a bit as it is now mimicking the absolute hot mess that the first implementation of net neutrality was in a bit. But first, another lawsuit is being launched against Google because, of course, right now, Launching lawsuits against Google, Facebook, and Twitter is all the hot news. Everyone's doing it worldwide. In fact, even other people are doing it. We'll get get to, we have another lawsuit story later on as well. But in this case, quite a few states and Washington, D.C. filed an anti antitrust lawsuit against Google over Play Store fees. Man, Google is really getting the short end of the stick. At least when Apple was sued over their App Store fees, it was just one oney little pipsqueak in Epic Games. In this case, Google is being sued by 36 states and Washington, D.C., and they're being sued in a California federal court. Most likely because they suspect they're going to get a favorable ruling in California. That's one of the main reasons why if you're going to go ahead and pick a federal court in California, it's because you hope that they're going to favor they're going to go in your favor. That's just how California federal courts are. It's kind of the same thing here in Wisconsin. If you want to go ahead and find a really screwy court that might go in your favor, you turn to Dane County, AKA Madison. But I digress. The whole thing is basically all about how Google takes a 30% cut of pretty much everything that's put up in the Google Play Store, which is the primary store for Google. However, this case is going to be nowhere close to being as cut and dry as the Apple one. The Apple one, you could always point and say, but you have no choice other than the Apple App Store. In Google's case, there are multiple app stores. 
so clearly this is an auto win for Google because you have other places to go. You have the Samsung store, you have the Amazon store, which you shouldn't go to, as well as many, many others. So that's a non-story, right? Well, when you have other stories such as Google allegedly trying to buy off Samsung in order to curb the Galaxy Store's growth, um, not so much. So it's not going to be nearly as cut and dry as you'd originally think. This might actually go in various other places, especially since you have, you know, multiple different attorney generals filing the complaint. But here's the thing. What I just said is allegedly. Whether people want to admit it or not, the U.S. justice system is based on innocent until proven guilty so a headline from android authority saying google tried to buy off samsung in order to kind of limit the growth of the samsung store that's nothing without evidence and of course we don't have anything yet because the 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 court case has not begun So before anyone starts going, oh, Google's clearly going to win, or oh, Google's doomed, we need to see what evidence is being brought forward. And seeing the fact that it is being done by states and attorney generals, the actual evidence itself is a lot less likely to leak out before the case begins, unless it's being done as a political stunt, then it will absolutely leak before the case begins. Because welcome to the world of this nonsense. So we'll have to see see how that goes. There's a decent chance that this ends up going nowhere and was done strictly as a stunt. Google, however, replied to the lawsuit by pretty much saying exactly what I told you. The actual title of the blog post that Google put up in response to this is, quote, a lawsuit that ignores choice on Android and Google Play. Now, the actual blog post is several paragraphs. It would take me about a a full 20 minutes to read it, and I doubt anyone wants to listen to 20 minutes of me reading this. But basically, it all boils down to this. Google Play competes vigorously and fairly, according to Google. Android increases competition and choice, since, of course, you can have multiple different app stores, unlike the iPhone. Google Play helps its developers succeed, which is just one giant paragraph of self-gratification the economic model of play on android benefits the developers well i mean anyone can say that basically it boils down to look it we offer multiple stores you can always take your business elsewhere and you can always and you can always just make your own store 
it is a little surprising that this lawsuit is being brought down in the u.s because this is absolutely something i would have expected out of the eu not to really say anything about you know the average population of europe versus the u.s it's just that the e the european union government just constantly tries to be nitpicky about this sort of thing even the even someone in the chat says this sounds exactly like an eu suit it really does but that is happening we'll see if it goes anywhere and just simply move on that actually is a very good point someone br brought up even though they were just joking on android you can sideload apps but no one in all of these articles suggested that you should go and sideload your own apps that is interesting all right, let's shift gears a, a little bit. Audacity. Have the audacity to change how they run their own shop. No, I, I can't remember exactly when it was. Oh, it actually says Audacity was bought out by the Muse group back in May. This actually flew under pretty much everyone's radar that audacity was bought up but uh, the muse group has in fact changed their privacy policy to say that they will in fact harvest data for and i want to actually find the exact way they phrased it because it does uh it came off as just very odd the way it was phrased Unfortunately, the article I have from Apple Insider does not say, but it was basically, it was collecting data for, quote, legal enforcement, as well as data necessary for law enforcement, lit litigation, and authorities' request, if any. Basically, they're just going to mine your data. but they're trying to make it sound as though it's only being done in case they're sued. That's the only reason they do it. The only reason. So yeah, make sure that uh, your version of Audacity is not updated to 3.0. In fact, since Audacity doesn't, or maybe that's just Audacity 3.0 on Mac OS. I think it's Audacity 2.5 on Windows. I'm actually now not 100% certain. I want to say it's 2.5 on Windows. I just went and double checked what my version is. It's 2.3.3 for that. But since Audacity doesn't auto update and Audacity has been a rock solid tool, I see absolutely no reason to ever update Audacity. 
but people are actually now legitimately calling the new version of audacity actual spyware since it's now just mining data for unknown reasons so i would highly suspect a whole lot of uh file sharing sites that go ahead and share freeware like audacity to uh really be eager to toss around various versions of 2.4 since that would be the latest version that isn't completely and utterly ruined and of course who knows how long it is until a more sophisticated version comes out by someone else now for a much more concerning story a large ransomware attack has ensnared hundreds of companies to the tune of over a thousand wow so a ransomware attack on the internet on the international it firm this is actually from gizmodo by the way since i'm now reading it verbatim a ransomware attack on international IT firm Cassia appears to have infected hundreds of smaller sized businesses that rely on the company's product, including many in the U.S. On Friday, this is last week Friday, by the way, not this, not this past week Friday, but the week before. On Friday, Cassia dis disclosed that it had been the victim of a potential attack implying that hackers were somehow targeting users of its VSA on-premise pr product. Customers should shut down VSA immediately, an alert reads. While, companies company, while the company has claimed that the attack is limited to a small number of customers, Kessia's position in a, in a wider IT ecosystem means the effects of this attack could be quite large, potentially making it one of the largest ransomware attacks in history. Let me interject for a moment. You want to know why over and over and over and over again, I have been very hesitant to the point of being anti-cloud in regards to the cloud. This, this right here. Oh yeah, it's great. You don't need to have hardware on site and all that jazz. And I have said over and over again, if there is ever, ever an outage, Ever. all of a sudden now your entire system is down and there's nothing you can do about it Ooh, but there's always redundancies in place yeah and what happens when the element that helps switch over from the failed system to the redundant system goes down or is infected surprise this is what happens yeah this is why every single time when i'm looking for any kind of software solution i always 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 hunt down a non-cloud-based solution first since Everyone always recommends the cloud solution because it's so easy. It's so easy. But if it's something you need to rely on, then what? It's one of the reasons why for my own music system on the stream, 
I instead switched to a local system because ones that relied on Spotify and YouTube were just always had their various problems. Someone decides to unembed a song or decide that, oh, we're going to re-upload it with better quality. The, and then the original one's gone. All of a sudden now I have a whole bunch of 404 errors in my list. This is the same sort of story, except instead of 404 song not found, this is 403, give me $10 million. I made that number up, by the way. That being said, though, I mean, yeah, when you have over a thousand companies that are affected by this it's uh it's kind of a big deal the ransom is pretty much being given out as almost fifty thousand dollars from smaller companies and five million from larger ones as the owner of a small business himself, I'll tell you what, 50 grand to get our computer system back up? You know what I'm doing? I'm F-disking the computer system. 100% I'm F-disking that computer system and bringing it back up from scratch. Because screw that. But in any case, the U.S. government has already has already lost the investigation as as Cassia itself was being held for ransom for seventy million dollars as the end result of its own ransom attack. You know what the sad thing is? I'm never going to know how many of these companies paid. But since the FBI, possibly the CIA, and who knows how many other agencies are now involved, it's going to be very interesting to say how many people paid but then got their money back. In the end, just... Be careful what you open. If something seems suspicious, maybe don't click on it. Just the thought. All right, heading over across the pond. Britain has, I'm not sure if they've actually passed the, this right to repair law or if they're contemplating it, but unfortunately they are pushing forward a right to repair law, but excludes smartphones and computers and smartphones and computers have been one of the most obnoxious victims of anti-repair maneuvers where companies like Apple, for instance, are using 
proprietary chips and then pointing the company that develops that chips under strict contracts to never ever sell those chips to anyone so that Apple is literally the only company that could repair them, but they never will. They'll instead just sell you a new one. So to see this right to repair law pretty much affect a lot, it's mostly targeted at automobiles, but then to also not affect smartphones and computers is rather disappointing. However, meanwhile, here in the U.S., we have a Friday dump. What is a Friday dump? A Friday dump in the political space is when an administration, and it doesn't matter what political affiliation that particular administration is, they all do it. They all do it. Every single time. We'll go ahead and sign a boatload of stuff on a Friday afternoon, specifically, so that whatever they just signed, it just quickly gets a headline and is never looked into deeply. Or they sign it so late in the day that it doesn't even get the headline, that it just slips under the radar. Well, the Biden administration has signed an executive order asking the FCC and the FTC to implement right to repair, net neutrality, as well as a dozen other orders specifically targeting the monopolistic behaviors of big tech. Now already, right off the bat, since it is a clear Friday dump maneuver and literally no one has taken a deep dive into the order yet, I have instant mild distrust of the order. But then something hit me. There's a key thing I just said in there. What rule did the executive order actually put forward? Nothing. All the executive order said is that the FCC and the FTC, specifically those two branches of the government, should go try to do X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, and E. In reality, the, the order has put forward nothing. So before you hop on the Lewis Rossman train and celebrate this, Wait, because no one's won anything yet. We haven't even seen what the actual rules are going to be. The other thing that's the big elephant in the room, room is the fact that it's 
whatever the FCC and the FTC do. They don't have to do anything to implement these rules. They just do them. So let's say they go ahead, they invent net neutrality exactly as, as, it, as it should be done. Let's say they go ahead and implement net neutrality as it is and right to repair, all right? The FCC, or was it, yeah, no, it was the FCC. The FCC actually did implement a net neutrality law well, not a law, but a net neutrality rule a little over five years ago. But in the end, they enforced almost none of it. But everyone cheered because there's a net neutrality rule. The only thing it ever did was tell T-Mobile to stop bundling Netflix. That's it. But then when it but then it was killed, all of a sudden, everyone then just looked to the current administration and damned them. Why? It never did anything. So again, before anyone starts cheering victory, we need to see what the rules are and then see what is actually going to be done. Because it's not a hard law. It's basically written on loose leaf and pencil. So I'm just saying, I've seen this happen before. I've, I've called this exact same thing before with net neutrality. Back when this podcast was brand spanking new and young. I've seen it happen. And I'm willing to bet that your right to repair rule, you're going to have a wagon of the finger and then literally nothing will be done because there is no set in stone rules for what right to repair actually means. Just like with net neutrality, doing it this way is the wrong way. It needs to be a law. It needs to be drafted up by either the Senate or the Congress, passed by both and then signed in so that you have hard set rules for what right to repair is or what net neutrality is and then for it to be enforced going with it this way yeah way easier you get around a whole lot of political hot dreck which is exactly what this is being done right now it's the only reason to do net neutrality this way is either A, because you want the headline, or B, and the more likely reason, to circumvent 
the filibuster rule in the Senate. Because that's the only thing that's keeping pretty much any legislation that's, that's not bipartisan from going through is the filibuster rule. That's it. So we'll have to wait and see. Already, Lewis is praising it. I'm hoping he continues to praise it just as a step in the right direction as opposed to claiming complete and utter victory as it was recently. Someone in chat says it can be killed in congressional committees. No. It cannot. If it's just going to be done as a rule set in the FCC and the FTC, a congressional committee can bring up actions done by, done by them and then do a vote to wag the finger at the FCC or the FTC. But in the end, the FCC and the FTC operate independently of both the Congress and the Senate. It's really dumb because there's almost no oversight into, into what they do. So they can go ahead and write some rules and then just not enforce them, which is exactly what they did with net neutrality. So we will see how things go now as far as we're gonna talk we're you know we're just gonna just rip off the band-aid let's just get the last bit of political nonsense out of the way former former president trump is suing social media giants over censorship this is specifically in regards to the fact that facebook twitter and google all do sorts of things in chat saying legislation can be killed in in a c committee no fil well of course it can <laughs> obviously a legislation can be kill killed in committee technically no legislation will not be killed in committee because it never happened if it if legislation dies in the committee legislation first goes to a committee first then it has to pass the vote in the committee to even be written. And then it goes to a full vote. In the Senate, however, to end debate, you need a filibuster vote to be done, which requires 60 votes in the Senate. That is what's holding up a lot because it takes 60 votes to end debate. As opposed to 50 and a half. I say half because in a 50-50 tie, which is what you have currently in the Senate, the vice president breaks the tie. Are, are we done with Schoolhouse Rock? In any case, former President Trump is suing social media gi giants, Facebook, Twitter, and Google. Specifically saying that the... 
bans and shadow bans, as well as just using the algorithm in general to censor certain kind of speech, goes against the kinds of protection they have, which unfortunately the article I have does not mention the exact kind of... Oh, there it is, Section 230. That it goes against Section 230. Basically... Here's what Section 230 means. Section 230 says if you are a quote-unquote platform, you are not held liable for what someone else says on your platform. Therefore, any kind of moderation on said platform is unnecessary. That is the claim. And I'm not going to lie. I have tried to read this this law over and over and over again, and I have not come to a conclusive answer because you can definitely read it as both ways. This is definitely something that's needed to happen and definitely needs to go to court. So in the end, we're just going to have to see how this shakes down. I have no idea what's going to end up happening. What I do know is that I actually didn't realize this, but apparently former President Trump actually did launch his own social media network called Getter. However, it has gone to the gutter as the entire feed is absolutely flooded with Sonic the Hedgehog smut. <laughs> it, it it is hard. I, I I almost don't care. I I not in fact I don't care what what your political affiliation is. But I find that absolutely hilarious that you launch a social media network solely based that speech should not be censored in any way, shape, or form. And it is now basically completely be- become a Sonic Rule 34 site. <laughs> I mean, odds are this was a started targeted attack based on political beliefs. I am almost certain of that but I still find it incredibly hilarious all right there we have ripped off the ranty band-aids let's go ahead take a break when we come back let's talk about uh Twitter having to try and comply with India's rules as well as some good news on the GPU front yes I do mean that Some very, very good news.
Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so Twitter is working on implementing new rules, at least at least to comply with India. So Twitter's goal is to be everywhere, right? It's even to the point where they are willing to go ahead and make huge... What's the right word? Compromises in order to, to be available in countries like India that want to go ahead and have Twitter censor a whole slew of various things, including anyone talking bad about the Indian government, at least on India's Twitter. That'd be a shame, because at least here in the U.S., that is almost exclusively what, what Twitter is used for. That and finding out when Eagle Falcon goes live at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. I mean, that's pretty much the only reason, reason that anyone's ever on Twitter. That and sharing various art. There's actually quite a bit of an art community on Twitter. Anyway, so Twitter has officially begun hiring people to specifically oversee the implementation of India's new rules on the Twitter platform. So at least here we see Twitter is, well, going back to the other lawsuit about uh, Twitter not suing anyone, or Twitter being sued for not for censoring, uh, now you have some additional bit of evidence showing that they are willing to censor. So this will be interesting, to say the least. So we'll see how, how that goes down. Reports showed that Newegg and their new PC building service might in fact be specifically holding stock on rare components so that you can only get a hold of them in a pre-built system. This does not surprise me in the least. Now, you might immediately think, those jerks. I really need a, a 2060 so I can go ahead and use anything but the cruddy integrated Intel CPU. But here's the thing, NVIDIA and AMD both prioritize who gets a hold of their GPUs to make sure that first system builders get it. Most likely these GPUs that led to this story are probably bound by that same contract. Newegg probably just looked at it and said, hey, you know, what's, what's better for us? Either pushing the new PC building ser service so that we have some GP, having some, you know, GPUs to, to get to some customers or potentially having none. 
Also, chat just pointed out one of the biggest problems with the picture being used here. Um, it's showing uh, someone putting in a really old motherboard, by the way, into a PC that already has a motherboard in it because you can see ports on the back in the IO shield. It is not a dual motherboard case. I'm sorry, guys. That, that is very much a single motherboard case. Uh, the other thing is that this uh, this motherboard is at least 17, 18 years old. It's not even the same motherboard either. The motherboard they're put they're putting in has a printer port on it. The I/O shield does not have a printer port on it. They both have DB9 serial ports uh, that appears to be a uh, an AMD Athlon 64 socket based on the position of some of the chips on the board, but quite possibly the biggest glaring red flag about this board is that it still has PCI Express slots. Also, we have a soldering iron that's apparently needed to assemble this PC for some reason. I, I, look, I'm just going to tell you, if you're assembling my desktop and you need a soldering iron, I am going somewhere else. Because that just sounds like an awful bad time. But, you know, this sounds like bad news, right? Oh, you need a GPU for your personal built system, but now you're going to be forced to go to a pre-built because you have no choice because of the circumstances. I have some good news, though. The Bitcoin network mining difficulty has decreased. All because of the recent massive drop in hash rate. So. The thing is, is recently we talked about, we, we talked about this a while back that, um, China went ahead and banned cryptocurrency mining. You currently cannot mine for any kind of cryptocurrency in China. This shut down tons of Bitcoin and Ethereum mines, mining setups in China. This has now happened, this has now resulted in a big, big drop in the Bitcoin difficulty on how hard it is to mine a Bitcoin. So, well... That's all well and good right now. It's now the easiest time to mine Bitcoin, but at the same time, that's also going to negatively affect the value of the currency. Someone in chat asks, what about Hong Kong? I actually do not know. I want to say this probably affects Hong Kong as well, since, uh, well, for the most part, China has effectively taken over Hong Kong completely, TM. I'm not going to lie, I have not heard a whole lot about it, other than last we saw uh, China was pretty effectively taking over Hong Kong. 
rather than letting it operate independently. So there's that for starters. Now, in addition, this shift also affected the Ethereum network heavily. 19% drop in GPU power in the Ethereum rock in the Ethereum blockchain just from China banning cryptocurrency mining. Now, you might be asking, Ethereum mining takes GPUs. Where do all those GPUs go? Currently, they are being sold. It, they're basically being fires. They're, they're basically being sold off as quickly as possible on used channels in China. There is a flood. And I do mean a flood of NVIDIA GPUs being sold in China. Now, the thing is, is that we do technically live in a global market. What happens in one country will inevitably affect the rest in some way, shape, or form. With now supply greatly outweighing the demand in China, this now increases the supply in the rest of the world. In fact, we are already seeing the price of GPUs start to fall here in the U.S. and in Europe. Can you go ahead and get a GPU at MSRP like we want to? No. No, you cannot. But it's very, very clear. The price is trending down and it's trending down quickly. The price bubble that was created by the chip shortage and by the massive rush to mine Ethereum and other cryptocurrencies has popped and the price is falling. Currently now, according to WCCF Tech, the price for these GPUs are now only 163% of what their MSRP is. And they are trending down. And of course now with Ethereum knowing that they are shifting over to a non-GPU based mining system, this means that there is even more incentive right now for 
every other Ethereum miner out there to, if they want to go ahead and maximize their profit on their investment, to sell their cards now. Which means a smart buyer, what they're going to do right now is do what you've been doing for the last seven months. Wait. Because the longer you wait right now, even just a few weeks, even just a month, the much better off you are. I told you I had good news. Actual hard evidence that the GPU market is returning to sanity. At least. Well, I mean, no, it is. It is returning to sanity. There is no but. There is no if. It just is. Shifting gears, Apple's App tracking transparency is so good. It's so good. The fact that Apple disallows creepy apps like Facebook to allow you to choose whether you are whether you are in fact being spied upon or not that more and more advertisers are turning to Android. It makes sense. Even in the short term, it makes sense. So the thing is, is that right now, any iPhone out there that is not ancient can have this track blocking ability. Pretty much every single iPhone. Google plans on implementing something similar to this very soon and has already taken some steps to get close to this in Android. But here's the thing. When do Android users get to update their phone? How many of you know the answer to this? If you said that it's when the update is out, you are a naive fool. The answer is when the manufacturer of your phone and the carrier you are on says that they're okay with the update. In the case of an iPhone, Apple releases the update and you can take it whenever. Android updates, however, they are released to the manufacturer first. The manufacturer then puts their tweaks on it to make sure it's compatible with the tweaks they've done to Android. They then have to send it then to the carrier to make sure it's approved. And then, and only then, can they push it out. Now, if you have a Pixel phone, 
and I think those are the only ones right now. I pretty sure Nexus phones, which used to be Google's in-house brand, I'm pretty sure those are now extinct. Those no longer get any updates, but Pixel phones get the updates virtually instantly. They still have to go ahead and get the patch reviewed by the carrier, but that's it. That is one area that Apple has a huge advantage. That being said, however, that same advantage also comes at the downside that Apple tends to make a lot of smaller mistakes, and it's not uncommon for when you go ahead and update to the latest version of iOS for three days later to see a patch come out that says, uh, yeah, we found a bug that um, if your phone vibrates three times and you lick it, the data self-destructs. We have now fixed this. And then you asked, why would anyone ever do that? I obviously made up that example, but you get the idea. That being said, I cannot wait to get this year's updates in two years when Samsung allows me to do it. So in the end, we'll have to see what ends up happening. But in the, but the interim, because of course, updates come out much, much slower on Android. It is right now an advertiser's paradise, seeing as how your other option on iOS is to basically die. Now, with no good transition point, I give you this story. Amazon has secured a contract with the Department of Defense in the U.S. to host their cloud systems. And just like that, I have immediate concern. Because if there's one thing Amazon does really well, it's having very minor, really obnoxious outages. But then again, it's also hard to uh, argue for the other company that uh, was trying to win this cloud contract with the Department of Defense, which is Microsoft. And well, Microsoft is responsible for such amazing, wonderful headlines, such as the Windows 11 Insider build is surprisingly unpolished and unfinished, despite the fact that this operating system is supposed to launch in three months. I mean, not officially, but there's a staggering amount of leaked info that says that Microsoft is aiming for an October launch, but are settling for the official launch date of Q4 of 2021. But basically, Windows 11 right now in the Insider build is basically in alpha state. And it's, uh, oh boy! That's not a good sign. 
so um good luck we'll have to see how things go but man if uh if you were debating on whether to uh hop on board the early bandwagon for windows 11 i would strongly suggest against that now more than ever friends don't let friends install windows 11 on daily driver computers now on top of that microsoft it, it had to issue an emergency windows patch for the quote night print nightmare flaw in which by using I'm not entirely sure of the, of the great details, but basically using some form of a printer driver, an attacker could take complete control over a Windows machine. This is a vulnerability that is on Windows Server, Windows 10, Windows 8, and even Windows 7. And if you're still on Windows 7, don't worry, you got the patch for... for for this since it is a critical update that being said though um uh the vulnerability is still alive despite the fact that microsoft just patched it you know um maybe the department of defense made the right decision Despite the fact that uh, Amazon's had a very oddly spotty uh, track record when it comes to reliability. Oh boy. Well, we're going to take a break here when we come back. We need to talk about the Switch Pro TM. Oh boy, do we need to talk about the Switch Pro Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so someone has gotten the uh, Windows Insider build of Windows 11 running on a Microsoft Lumia 950XL. I'm not going to lie. I forgot that Nokia was bought by Microsoft. That actually did slip my mind. But apparently it actually runs respectably well on this former Windows phone. So, hey, maybe, just maybe, Windows 11 might actually be the one operating system that is good for all devices. Maybe, just maybe. You can't see it because this is an audio-only podcast, but I'm shaking my head the entire time while I'm seeing this. We'll just have to take a look at that when it is actually out and uh, potentially stable. I am definitely going to wait at least six months after launch before installing it on even a spare. Maybe even uh, maybe even before I install it on a VM. Elgato! is doing some 
heavy, heavy teasing about something they are going to announce on July 15th. Now, they have given some teases. What the heck was that? My entire screen just went black there for a moment. But a couple of things they have uh, teased here. We have seen videos that contain, you know, a box, some streamers. Another one showed a... um, a, b- a bubble floating onto the screen that looked like a uh, a YouTube play play button sort of shape, an on air sign. I am mainly covering this specifically to say I think I know what it is. I think, and I'm probably wrong in this, but I think. Elgato is going to actually try to launch their own content creation platform. That is my thought. But they're a hardware company. Yes, and? Elgato has never tried to hype up any of their other piece of equipment as much as they're trying to hype this up. I think the only reason they are trying to hype up something this much is specifically because it's something they need to get people on board with and generate a ton of hype around. Elgato doesn't need to generate a lot of hype around, say, like a new version of the Stream Deck or an LED strip or a webcam or a microphone because it is a physical product. It will speak for itself. Something like a software platform to compete with YouTube and Twitch without there being any kind of hype, it will instantly fail. That is what I think is going on there. But in the end, it's hard to say if it actually is hardware, it would not surprise me at all. If it's a camera, but that is saying if it is hardware, because right now, as far as a physical stream setup, Elgato has one of the best USB mics out there. They already have one of the best, streamer interface devices in the stream deck. They were the original in that, in that space. They have one of the best and overpriced camera lighting setups out there. And they are pretty much the de facto go-to for capture cards. What else is left except for the keyboard, the mouse, the monitor, the computer, the whatever game console you're gaming on. But those are always just dependent on, you know, whatever. There's always a good option for those. The camera, though? The best answer to the camera out there right now 
is getting a $500 Sony DSLR camera and a $100 capture card. And then trying to figure out how to mount your DSLR camera to your desk and have it sit there well. Because otherwise, like, the, the, cam- the webcams that are out there right now are pretty bad. The next best option after that is using your phone. So, first guess, streaming platform. I think that's what Elgato's going to announce. If it's not that, I'm willing to bet a camera. Those are my guesses. We'll see if I either get full credit for the streaming platform or half credit for the camera. Only time will tell. But let's talk about something that everyone got wrong. And I called out just about everyone and their mother early on until they started making it mildly believable. So remember how everyone and their mother has been talking about the Switch Pro. Oh my god, this 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 Switch can hold so much switching. The Nintendo Switch Pro, it's going to go ahead. It's going to output at 4K. It's going to be a powerhouse, despite the fact the current Switch can only do 720. The only part that seemed believable, and I even admitted it seems believable but unlikely, is using NVIDIA DLSS to output to 4K. That was believable. But there is one problem with that logic. Even the pro versions of the PS4 and the Xbox One were still on the same GPU architecture for Nintendo to do the 4K output, that would mean a new architecture. And I have failed you all by not realizing this sooner. But maybe there were just literally everyone, every single tech outlet bought onto this hook, line, and sinker. Some of my most trusted sources, all of them, believed it. And I, like a sucker, thought they can't all be wrong, right? How could this many people be wrong? Well, this many people were wrong. Nintendo announced the Nintendo Switch OLED model. This is a brand new line of the Switch that will still sell alongside the other two Switches. This is something that not a lot of people have talked about. Nintendo is straight up going to sell the Switch OLED model 
They are still going to sell the, the original Switch OG model. And they are still going to sell the Switch Lite model. The Switch OLED model, the so-called Switch Pro, does not, I repeat, does not replace any of the other Nintendo Switch models. All three of these switches have the exact same CPU, GPU, SOC combo package built in. Here are the differences between them all, all right? The Switch OLED sells for $350. The Nintendo Switch will still sell for $300, and the Switch Lite sells for $200. Keep in mind their performance is exactly the same. The Switch OLED model and the Nintendo Switch ones are going to be the only ones that actually have Joy-Cons. Or you can go ahead and dock them, hook them up to a TV, have them on a tabletop and that sort of thing, and deattach the controllers and whatnot. Switch Lite will still be handheld mode only. Compatible games. Only the Switch and the Switch OLED models are going to be compatible with all Nintendo Switch games. The Switch Lite will still have the caveat of games that do not that uh, need modes other than handheld mode are not going to be allowed. The Switch OLED is going to use the exact same Joy-Cons. So, assuming Nintendo has not silently fixed Joy-Con drift, which they very well might have, and no one knows. You're still going to have the same problem. But the Joy-Cons are removable. The Switch Lite use, uses, as far as everyone's aware, the exact same joysticks and will eventually suffer Joy-Con drift, and there's nothing you can do about it because those are not replaceable. Now, the dock for the OLED model does have built-in Ethernet, whereas the regular Switch does not. The screen on the OLED model is bigger. It is a 7-inch screen, but the actual physical size of the Switch OLED model is 0.1-inch wider and that's it it basically just takes a look at the bezels on the switch and makes them smaller the switch oled model also has 64 gigs of internal storage versus 32 it uses the basically the same model of battery as as the regular one it has a bigger screen but it's an oled screen which is more power efficient and also has more accurate uh, colors. The colors are much more vibrant. Blacks are deeper and that sort of thing. That's you know, again, it's a more efficient screen. So the battery life is gonna is gonna average out about the same. That's it. The CPU is the same. The GPU is the same because, of course, the GPU is the same.
Because if it wasn't the same, games that specifically were designed to squeeze every ounce of performance out of that little Kepler GPU would not work properly. This was the real problem with the rumors of the Switch Pro. It once again got everyone to think that game consoles are computers. And the fact of the matter is they're closer to computers than they ever have been, but they aren't. Because you're not using a general, what's the right word I'm looking for? You're targeting that specific GPU, not all NVIDIA and AMD and OpenGL sort of parameters that the Switch could be. Because there's never going to be what the Switch could be. The Switch will always be the Switch. In fact, the only other time, there's only one other time that Nintendo has ever underlined ever announced a version of the same console with higher performance. And that was the new 3DS. That's what it was called. The new 3DS. And all that had was another SOC partnered right up next to it. That's it. That only a handful of games ever took advantage of. Because once again, people thought for whatever reason that Nintendo thinks the same way as Sony and Microsoft. They don't. They never have. Nintendo doesn't care about the latest and greatest graphics. Nintendo cares about one thing when it comes to their platform. Games that people want. That's it. That's all that matters in the end for Nintendo. They don't care about the race to 8K gaming. They don't care about the latest and greatest graphics. They don't care about 240 refresh rate. All they want is to have a platform that sells games that people want and do it in a way that no one else does. And they nailed it with the Switch. To have a home console that you can just pull out, take, and take wherever. So, of course, yeah, there's no CPU or RAM upgrade in, it, in the Switch. That's not surprising. Oh, they did update the uh, stand. The stand on the OLED model is now full width as opposed to one little piece that can easily just pop right off. Of course, it's going to have the same old Joy-Cons. Why change 
what's not broken. On top of that, why would there be any noticeable difference? It works with the same ones before. Why not? Hey, look, the, jo the joysticks drift a little bit. You know, we'll just, on the newer ones, just swap out the stick, assuming they finally did do that. They might not have, in which case they're just trying to bide their time until it becomes a big enough problem that they have to. I'd hate it if that's what they're doing, but no surprise there. On top of that, they're, no matter how much we look at the Joy-Cons and say, this is a terrible design. When push comes to shove, though, everyone has already made their third-party devices specifically for these Joy-Cons. They're never going to change them. If you want to get something that's more ergonomic to use on the go, there's third-party Joy-Cons out there. I forgot the name of the brand that makes them that are like two halves of a of an Xbox controller that slide onto both sides, but that'd be your way to go, honestly. Because Nintendo's never going to change these Joy-Cons. I would also highly recommend... What, what were these I have? One second here. I have them, like, back here. Really? It was just Amazon Basics that made these? Uh, sure enough, it is just Amazon Basics. They're called the Amazon Basic Grip Kit for Nintendo Switch Joy-Con Controller Dash Red. Even though this is, like... I don't know what color this is. This color is like unnatural. It looks orange on the camera. In person, it's like fluorescent reddish pink. Like just look at it in person. It looks like a color that is not natural at all. All it is is just a freaking grip. You just take off a, con a, a Joy-Con, pop it in it, and it's suddenly a more manageable controller. And it's because stuff like this exists that Nintendo is never going to change this design. Unless they absolutely have to. But of course, after everything I just said, after the bit of internal looking as to how I bought in to the hype even though i was one of the first people to call out this switch pro hype train that's been going on for almost a year as complete bs and go how did i get it wrong you want to know how other people are coping well our good buddy the verge thinks that the reason the switch pro didn't happen is for one reason and one reason only, the chip shortage. Ah, uh, yes, you see, they needed to go ahead and release a new updated version of the Switch Pro because they had to for some reason. But they didn't put in the upgraded chip because it's in short supply because of the chip shortage. There's not going to be a Nintendo Switch that outputs to 4K. 
no matter how much you try to meme it into existence, you, you know what the denial people about the Switch Pro remind me of? The same people who are still trying to argue that there's going to be a Nintendo Switch Pro that outputs in 4K are the same idiots that continue to beg for Waluigi to be in Smash. Look, it's time to face reality. Waluigi is never going to be in Smash because he's already an assist trophy in the game. And the more you want it, the less likely it's going to happen. Just like the Switch Pro is never going to happen because Nintendo in their entire history has never done it. And the one time they have given a performance upgrade, it was marginal and no one ever used it ever so why the heck would they do it now if their own internal history said no one ever wanted a mid-step console hate to break it to you welcome to reality we're gonna take a break here when we come back i have a slew of fun phone stories as well as the silly stories the crazy stories including an amazing lego story Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. I spoke briefly, and by briefly, I mean for like 10 minutes in the, during the break about um, what to expect for the Switch down the road. Uh, some people were asking, do you think there would be a more, a more power efficient Switch down the road? And I think the answer is no. There might be a revision of the Switch possibly that would have a bigger capacity battery but they're not going to put in a more efficient chip because a more efficient chip means that there's going to be a different architecture that's more efficient which would then ruin a lot of the games that would run on the older architecture like, you can't just go ahead and make a Maxwell, like, I'm assuming it's a Maxwell. I actually can't remember what what generation of SOC is in the Switch anymore. But you can't just make a, a Maxwell uh, system on a chip on, like, say, a three nanometer fabrication process, which is then, oh, hey, look, uh, more efficient because it's smaller nanometers and call it a day. It, it doesn't work like that. There's a lot more to it, and those little bits of tweaking you have to do to make that sort of thing happen would directly impact games made for the bigger, less efficient chip. So I don't think we're going to see what the Switch Pro is promising unless they launch an 
actual true new generation of the Switch. Because we saw the same thing with the the PS4 and the PS4 Pro. Now I'm actually literally just rehashing everything I just said in the break, but you know, we're, we're in it now. When we saw the PS4 P, the PS Pro launch, it was the exact same generation of GPU, the exact same architecture GPU, just bigger. It was just bigger Polaris. And even the CPU was still on the older Jaguar architecture, despite the fact that AMD Ryzen did exist. And on that same sort of note, it's actually stunning that we have massive performance increase between the PS5 and the PS4 and PS5 games right now there are just so many of them that are like older cell shaded types because they're much more stylized games that were just probably originally intended to just launch on anything but became a PS4, a PS5 exclusive that also run on the PS4 now because PS5s are a myth. That actually makes people wonder why even get a PS5? There is no visible improvement. In fact, a lot of the games look worse. But in any case, th- th- those are my final thoughts. We're going to move on from that. Qualcomm is planning to launch laptop CPUs that rival apple chips in 2022 more and more we are seeing the march to kill x86 move on and more and more arm laptops and desktops move forward i want to see how well it does and i really do want to see what is amd and intel's answer to this Because now more and more it is showing that Intel doesn't need to worry about AMD and AMD doesn't need to worry about Intel. They both need to worry about ARM. That is going to be their concern. Because if more and more and more people just start to adopt ARM-powered laptops and desktops and workstations and servers. That is going to put AMD and Intel in a really hard space, especially AMD. Intel right now is in a spot where if they had to, they could just decide, you know what? We're done with x86. We're just going to instead design great ARM processors instead. They're in that position right now because they are in a position of we need to do literally anything because we cannot sink any lower without ceasing to exist. AMD is currently at the top when it comes to x86. They have, they have finally won the performance per clock battle. That was the one crown Intel had, and now Intel lost it. AMD CPUs now have 
the most cores, the most efficient cores, the most performance cores. I mean, for crying out loud, they can shove 64 cores into a single CPU. 128 threads in one CPU. And if you're really desperate on performance, you can always just put two into a single motherboard. But if more and more people adopt ARM, and that becomes the de facto standard for computers, well now, instead of being the performance king for the mainstream platform computing, you become what Sun is. Or rather was. Someone who makes proprietary CPUs that only work in specific applications. This is going to get very interesting very quickly. And it's all Apple's fault. Now, how is Qualcomm doing this, though? How does Qualcomm think they can go from making half-baked phone processors? I only say half-baked because just about any processor on Android just always feels half-baked because Android is half-baked. Like, using Android, I don't know what it is about Android, but it always feels like the smoothest running beta software ever. It's always bizarre. But then, of course, once you start having that mindset I just explained, and then go, oh, man, maybe I should switch over to Apple, you then realize what technological oppression feels like as Apple only lets you do so much within your own phone. And then you look at both the iPhone and Android platforms and realize that there is never true happiness anywhere. But maybe Windows 11 is that happiness. And then you see how Windows 11 is doing and you're just like going anywhere. Anyway, have I gotten off the weeds? Have, have I gone off into the bushes far enough yet? Anyway, Qualcomm believes they can go ahead and come up with a more efficient and more powerful CPU to rival the Apple M1 thanks to the help of acquiring Nuvia. Nuvia is a chip designer that uh, was working on such CPUs that could rival the power of x86 processors. So Qualcomm believes with the acquisition of Nuvia that they can too, in fact, create something that could compete strongly with Apple. But of course, time will only tell. In the meantime, the only option you have is for, to see what 
Qualcomm has been up is the new Snapdragon 888 plus 5G mobile platform. A platform that is currently only available in one phone. A phone that is only available to Qualcomm insiders as a development phone developed made by Asus that is available for the low, low price of... $1,500. I was hoping to have it actually in the article, but I do know it's a, it's $1,500 for this developer phone. Now I'm hoping this price is just normal in the developer space. That that's just the expected high premium cost. Cause Holy cow. If a Snapdragon 888 phone is going to start at $1,500, we have a problem. And the thing is that this $1,500 phone, it's not like it has like a folding screen or anything like that. Oh no, it's actually a very basic, boring looking phone. 1080p display, 144 hertz refresh rate, triple cameras on the back, which is still pretty good. All that sort of jazz. It's pretty underwhelming other than the high performance Snapdragon 888. But of course it features 5G built into it. No more having to have a 5G chip on the side to help support that, which should theoretically lower the cost, but $1,500 dev phone says otherwise. Now that being said, if you're hoping for other hopes, we do have the supposed Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro specifications. The front page tech claims that they have the specs. The Pixel 6 is going to be a 6.4 inch display, an AMOLED display for that fact. The rear camera is going to be a dual camera affair a 50 megapixel wide angle camera with a 12 megapixel ultra wide camera, a front eight mega megapixel camera, a four point, or I'm sorry, a 40, a 4,614 milliamp battery. It is going to feature Google's custom arm processor. So we'll see how well that performs. Eight gigabytes of Ram, and available in either 128 gigabytes of storage or 256 gigabytes of storage. The Pixel 6 Pro is going to feature a 6.7 inch display, a plastic OLED display. I don't know how that varies from an AMOLED display or if that means that the front display is gonna be plastic instead of glass, which would be very weird. Uh, the rear camera is going to have a 50 megapixel wide camera, a 48, me 48 megapixel telescopic camera, a 12 megapixel ultra wide camera, and the front camera is going to be a 12 megapixel camera, a 5,000 milliamp battery, an in-house Google processor, 12 gigabytes of RAM, and available in 128, 256, or 512 
gigabyte capacity storage. No word if it will have a headphone jack or a SD card slot. It will, however, have Wi-Fi 6E and support 5G. But of course, these are rumored, exclusive, report, final, speculation, all that sort of jazz. So we'll just have to wait and see what they will actually be in October when they're actually launched. I imagine we'll see more down the road. That also being said, there is, there is a um, report in the FCC for a Pixel 5a that is supposed to be coming out very, very soon. These will support 5G according to the listing. So, hey, Pixel 5a, that'll have 5G. Woo! So we have that to look forward to as well. Google Pay will now update to use in-store NFC payments on Android and also show your current balance on the card in a future update. To which I say, neat. I actually don't know many people who use Google Pay. For the most part, it's either Apple Pay or Samsung Wallet or Samsung Pay. I forgot what the Samsung one was. I used to use it. And then I had to reset my phone. The OnePlus 9, however, seems to be throttling the, its performance on many various apps. And no one is quite sure why other than possibly due to thermal constraints. I think we're starting to finally get to the point where ARM is getting so powerful that it must have an active cooling solution. Oh boy. But I guess we're just going to have to wait and see what the heck is actually going on. All right. In Otter news, Apex Legend hackers went ahead and hacked Apex Legend, but only for one purpose. To demand updates to Titanfall. Apparently the hackers went ahead and targeted Apex Legends to complain about the fact that Titanfall has not seen any updates to the game at all and is basically unplayable online. Which is also, of course, owned by the same company that owns Apex Legends. The actual website, SaveTitanfall.com, which has been the de facto leader of the movement to save Titanfall has said they have no affiliation with the hackers that went ahead and said that the developers of Apex Legends need to save Titanfall. 
I mean, it makes sense. I mean, Titanfall is basically unplayable without the online updates, and without online updates, you basically have no game. Whoops. So, we'll just see if anything happens. I kind of doubt it, though. We have a weird, cool science and mildly scary science story. The International Space Station researchers repaired DNA in space using a CRISPR slash case nine genome editing. Basically damage that can be done to DNA because of various space radiation has successfully been repaired while in space. The only response I have is neat. Please do not create space mutants. We don't need astronauts returning from the space station to Earth and then going on psychotic rages or something like that. I, I don't know. It's both like a really cool story, but also just has that little bit of this is how some horror movies have started. This is exactly how some horror movies have started. Th literally this kind of story is exactly how horror films start exactly this <sighs> this is exactly someone in chat mentioned the thing oh my god we are actually making among us They're making a mass in the International Space Station! Alright, well, we, we need to be worried if we see bean if we see like three foot tall beans come back from the International Space Station. Vivo! Shifting gears wildly before we go way too far off into the weeds. Vivo is designing a phone with a built-in quadcopter in the phone you push a button and a small little section of the phone pops out that has four propellers in it and a camera that you can control directly with the phone at least that is what the patent shows Man, remember when cool stuff like this was shown at CES? Remember when CES existed? Remember when trade shows existed? Remember when we were allowed to be outside of our basements? Please let me on my basement. And with that, we go to the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. Although that being said, how long until this phone is banned by, what is the acronym? The FFA? No. Someone in chat asked, remember when CES wasn't garbage? I, I do. I do remember when it wasn't garbage. 
about six years ago. <laughs> it's been a while since there's actually legitimate cool stuff shown at CES. It's been a while since legitimate cool stuff's been shown at E3 either for that fact. But anyway, the last verb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. German scientists have built a high resolution microscope out of Legos. Yes, German scientists and engineers want to flex so hard they have successfully made a microscope out of Legos. Now, there now in fairness, they did use some non-Lego components such as the lenses which they salvaged from a smartphone camera. I'm not going to lie. When I first put this story on, I had the same thought as someone in the chat that German scientists are children confirmed. But, you know, the more I think about it, the more I just go, you know what? I think this was, in fact, just Germany's attempt to just absolutely flex on every other crazy high-end professional lego builder out there just saying yeah i made a working microscope what about you to which i say yeah okay fair i i i well, man, i can't fight that <laughs> it, the, it is easily easily quite possibly the weirdest flex out there but the flex is successful folks that's gonna do it for this episode of eagle Eagle eyes on tech thank you so much for listening i do encourage you to check out the daily podcast the early burb briefing which you can find at anchor.fm slash early burb b-i-r-b briefing and check out my twitch page twitch.tv slash eagle falcon we have a ton of silly silly fun there take care and i hope you have a great day I mean, okay, the Microsoft, the, the Microsoft, the microscope is pretty cool and all, but can you make Microsoft out of Lego bricks? Like the whole thing? Probably not. But can you make a car, a functional car out of nothing but Lego bricks? That's the real question. Can they do it?
And how easy would it be to repair such a car in case of a crash? You know what? I'm jokingly saying this, but someone has probably already made a functional car out of Legos and it's just never seen the road because there is no way that is road legal.